0: Well, welcome back, y'all. Dr. Nicole Truesdell here. As always, I'm your host and guide for my podcast, Abolitionist Dreamscapes. So welcome. This is episode seven, y'all. And since it's October, which is also known as spooky season, because we got Halloween, we got Dia de los Muertos, which is going to come right after that. Um, we really, at All Saints Day, we're really in this kind of time in which people say the veil is thin. And what that means is that the kind of boundary between the sacred and mundane, between the living and the dead, really does become a little bit more kind of translucent as the energies are one that are opening up so that we can learn from our dead. And this is also aligned with the kind of astrological forecast of the month as well of October, because we're in eclipse season. Now, we're always in, you know, eclipses are not necessarily... New, but this season, this eclipse season is interesting because we are closing out the Taurus Scorpio axis with the, at the end of the month with our lunar eclipse that's going to be in Taurus, but then we are opening up the Libra Aries access that is going to be starting on the 14th of October with the new moon in Libra in that solar eclipse. And in doing so, what it's doing is shifting us from the kind of lessons we've been learning as a collective the last few years around Scorpio and Taurus of releasing the kind of hold we have on our fears, releasing the hold we have on kind of being stagnant and sitting in Um, any kind of energies or any kind of beings that do not allow us to really understand that we are fully human. So we were all having to come into our bodies by realizing we have bodies and they are finite. And you can try to hustle and grind or lie to yourself all you want, but when your body tells you it's had enough, it's had enough. And so that is Taurus. That is the materiality of our lived experience and our relationship to other forms of life because we also need sustenance. And so we also all realize that we have needs and if we do not actually meet our needs, there are actual consequences. And so that really is opening up us up into embodiment, into an embodiment practice, which when we are in our bodies, and if you follow me on TikTok or any of my um, other platforms, you'll know I talk about this a lot, Once you are in your body, that is when you start to begin to embrace your humanity, and that is when our dead come alive. In this Libra-Aries axis, in which we are really being asked to re-examine our relationships, our relationships to ourselves, to one another, and the structures, excuse me, of society that we're all beholden to, right? What happens when we rebalance the scales of life? When we center self by actually understanding ourselves and then asking ourselves what truly is justice and peace and what is balance in an imbalance and unjust society? That has us move a lot, a lot differently as we are being kind of forced then into who is the self? What is the self? Who am I? And that is Aries. Okay. So in all of this kind of turmoil that we are in. We are also being given kind of permission to truly start to embrace a new way of living and being, which is essentially being human. But what does that mean? So I'm going to talk about that and more in this episode um, as I give some examples of my own life, of how I came into Well, hearing my ancestors, because my last episode, I talked about how I had to cut off some of my ancestors, right? Had to cut off my white line due to the fact that they continuously took from me versus pouring into me which helps understand that there are differences in our ancestors and our ancestral line and who we kind of rely upon. But in this episode, I wanna talk about who I actually do rely upon and why and how coming to them in my ancestral veneration practice and which also brought me back to my own lineage hoodoo practice didn't was not straightforward. I actually came into this practice by going through um, another ATR, which was which is ocha, but that ocha tradition that I'm a part of actually got triggered when I had a reading from a Haitian hougan and Baron Samadi came down. So let's get into that. All right. Uh, before I begin, though. As always, I got to give my shout outs um, to those who continue to support me in the public because again, without the support of y'all, I cannot continue to teach and create and just be in the spaces I'm in, um, taking up space finally and teaching the type of things I've been wanting to teach for so long, okay? So uh, first I want to thank my patrons. I have a Patreon, Evolutionist Dreamscapes, in which uh, it's a creative space in which I talk about breaking things that don't work for us and dreaming of things that could be possible. So if you are interested please, I'll have it in the show notes of how you can join there. You can join just for as little as $5 a month. Um, But there are also other tiers in which there are various um, resources and materials available for folks to use. And I want people to be able to use that content and take it into their own spaces and places to disrupt and to dream and to remake. Okay. So that is my Patreon, Abolitionist Dreamscapes. I also accept donations through Cash App, Zelle, PayPal, and Venmo. And people who have been able to donate, I just want to give a big shout out and thank you. Those donations really do help me. They help me be able to um, be able to continue to teach and have space to be able to do that, but also to provide resources I need to be able to maintain subscriptions and get equipment and the like. So these things aren't necessarily cheap. You know, I do have to have basic costs met. And so those donations allow me to have my overhead hit so that I can continue to create, okay? And also for folks who can just like and choose like and share and comment, that is a lot. That means a lot to me. And it also lets me know that what I'm saying actually <laughs> resonates with folks out there. So those who have liked, shared, and commented this, this, this my podcast, along with uh, my social media presence, I'm on TikTok, along with IG and YouTube. It really means the world to me. So thank you so much. And please, I ask you can continue to do so. All right, and finally, um, upcoming events: October fifteenth, y'all. I'm going to be hosting a virtual salon conversation for Black women, queer, non-binary folks talking about abolition ancestors in the astrology in a much more intimate setting. And what I wanna do there is really give us space. I made a zine, I made a zine, I'm so excited I made a zine, Um, (laughs) which is breaking down those three aspects of abolition ancestors in astrology. And I'm gonna be using that um, to really start to create a space. And it's gonna be the first of many of space creation to center Black, queer, non-binary, and women so that we can learn to take up space um, both individually and collectively as part of our freedom-making in the present, okay? So please join me there and I'll have all of that and more in the show notes below um, for folks to be able to engage with. And please um, also share for those who you think would be interested, not only in that event, but also this podcast and the rest of my work, okay? And you can also find ways to book with me. I do astrology readings. I do one-on-one coaching. I do group facilitation, Along with keynotes um, and speaking engagements and the like. So you can find all of that and more on my website, drnicole and I am booking um, speaking engagements for next year. I got a couple already lined up, which I'm really excited about. So if you're interested in having me on as a keynote or in a panel or helping your organization kind of rethink what it's where it's going through a queer black abolitionist lens, please reach out, again, you can do so um, through my website and my book me form, okay? Now, let's get into the episode, y'all. So let's tell a story. I'm gonna tell a story, I like telling stories. Oh, real quick, I also got a sub stack. I totally forgot, I just popped this off last week and I'm very excited because my fingers have been itching to write, I'm a writer, y'all. I'm a storyteller and writer, if you haven't figured that out. <laughs> and I'm getting a leaning much more into it. My Substack's free, um, so please go ahead and subscribe. It's also essentially a place that's a newsletter along with me storytelling as a way to kind of build my um, pedagogy in a written form. So please subscribe to my Substack as well, and that'll be in the show notes too. So speaking about stories, now let's get into story time. Okay, story time. So it was 2018, right? And it was around Thanksgiving, and I remember this because I had had a former colleague who who had come down from Massachusetts to hang out with me and my family for the holiday break. And we were driving in the car. Now, while I was in the car, um, somebody had popped in my head and who it was was a former, Uh, Hugon reader who I had gotten a reading from about six months prior. Now, I had met this person because I used to be on the board of the Association of Black um, Sociologists. I was treasurer for a very short amount of time. In one of the first board meetings that I was attended, one of the board members talked about getting a reading from this amazing um, reader who was also in training as a Hugon because he was of Haitian descent. He was also doing his PhD. So that's how she um, had initially met him. And she had sung his praises so much that a lot of us had decided to get a reading from him. Now that had been a year prior to this kind of 2018 Thanksgiving. And so I had gotten a reading from him. It was good. Um, And basically I had been focused on essentially helping me navigate my new job, because uh, I had a lot of big personalities with so the directors that were I was in charge of and who were reporting to me. Um, and I was also, like I said in previous um, episodes, I was really uncertain about whether that I made the right decision or not, because I was seeing that the reality of what I was told did not match the reality of what I was um, facing. Okay. So, I'd gotten the reading, but it had been a while. Um, It's quite frankly, since I had gotten another one. Um, But I had been thinking about it, yet I was a little weary because it it wasn't necessarily cheap. At that time, this was what, 2018? I believe he was charging like 185 to 200 for a reading, which quite frankly is fine if you're a good reader. That doesn't bother me. But at that time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to make that investment because I had a house. We had like, y'all... Buying a house like it, that house was a was a complete like dump of money. We, the minute we got in that house, the the roof needed to be fixed. There was termite damage in the windows. There was a bunch of DIY that the inspector conveniently didn't find. Right. So at that time, um, I was also felt really kind of tight and bounded around money because I felt tight and bounded around this home. But at the at the core of it though, there was a kind of inkling in my soul that I needed a reading, but I wasn't listening to it. So this will make sense in a minute when I'm telling you all this. So I'm in the car, it's Thanksgiving time, 2018 with my friend, okay? Back to the beginning of the story. Now, I'm driving, all of a sudden, I remember this clearest day because all of a sudden in the back of my mind, his name, the the reader, the Hugon reader's name came up and I always thought that was really interesting. And I was like, well, I told myself, maybe I'll think about getting a reading. Maybe I'll give myself that for a Christmas present or something. Then I look down and I get a phone call and I'm like, who was this? Who's calling me? Because it just said an Atlanta number, and in my head, literally popped in was like, "It's the reader," and I was thinking that Nicole, you sound crazy. This is all me in my head. So I answer it, and he goes, "Hi, is is this Nicole Truesdale? And I said, "Yes," and he he said his name. Um, I'm not going to say it here, um, but he said his name. He said, "You know," and I'm calling because he's like, "I know this is going to sound weird." Um, but I woke up to your name in my head and I didn't, I had to remember quite frankly who you were. Cause I said, oh, well, yeah, I've been, I have talked to you. I only had like two readings from you over a course of a year. Right. Don't expect you to remember who I am. Um, he was like, yeah, no, he's like, but then I didn't remember who you were. And, um, I also then heard you need to call her. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. Why? And he said, I'm supposed to give you a reading. And so, okay, Pause. When you get a call or when you get like a DM, y'all, from somebody saying that, you know, somebody reached out to them and told them that they need to give you a reading, you usually should think of them as full of shit, okay? So please don't think that I am advocating for you to follow through with uh, readers who are cold calling you, okay? So let's go back to the story, but I'm putting that as a preface, back to the story. So then I said, okay, well, I I didn't really plan on booking with you um, anytime soon. He said, no, no, no. I need to give you a reading. So this will be free. I'm going to send you a code. Go ahead and book with me sometime. My books are open. Put the code in, but I need to give you a reading. So that's when I was like, oh, okay, you tell me free. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go hang out. <laughs> I'm going to try it. So I ended up booking with him actually a couple of days later. In that reading, um, it essentially, and this is going to sound so cliche, but you know, cliches are cliche for a reason. It essentially changed my life. In the reading it came out um, that it wasn't just necessarily my ancestors talking it was it was it was the dead period and Baron Samadhi, because the Hugon that I was getting the reading from is um, um, essentially he's connected to the Gede and works with Baron Baron came down and said it is time for you to go back to this practices of your bloodline which is Ifa you need to go to Ifa you need to go to Ifa your ancestors and us are saying you need to go to Ifa. Now, this is Baron, is from Haitian Vodou, V O D U, okay? Not to be confused with New Orleans Voodoo, V O O D O O. Those are two different practices, okay? I'm gonna make that real clear. I was getting a reading from a Haitian Vodou priest who was working with and works with Baron Samadhi, okay? So this was interesting because I'm Talking to somebody who's in a completely different practice, who, quite frankly, at that time was also recruiting for their own godchildren. So I'm not sitting here saying that this person is also kind of without their own uh, personal interest, vested interest. But their vested interest did not did not conflict with the message being given down because Baron was not telling me to go into Haitian Vodou. Baron was telling me to go find Ifa. Now, interesting at that time, I didn't even know what the hell Ifa was. (laughs) I was like, excuse me, what are you talking about, right? Um, And then that is when the ancestors came in as well and made it very clear that this was a bloodline kind of practice and there was more to come, but they needed to crack me open essentially, and I needed to go to Ifa first. And so that became the beginning of my journey, quite frankly, into the practice of Ocha, the practice that i'm in curling today ocha de la regla um and it was through my um finding of a godfather so after that okay let me back up so after that happened that was november right um, and i kind of just sat with it because the reading i didn't know what to do with it quite frankly i didn't know anything about Ifa, particularly at that point i knew it theoretically like i knew it essentially from what i had heard from colleagues whose research was on this but i never truly made the connection because i wasn't that wasn't essentially my practice right at this 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 time I was heavily deconstructed from the Catholic church and I was essentially in a kind of quote unquote more spiritual practice of just figuring out how to relate to other forms of life so there was a way that i was slowly emerging into a kind of understanding of ancestors but i wasn't directly engaging with them because quite frankly i didn't trust them <laughs> i had, i was very closed off because of some instances i had as a kid that i talked about last um podcast and also actually on my substack i have a whole um short uh, write up about nightmares i had as a kid and what that did to kind of my sense of connection because I didn't understand how to work with the dead. Even though I was hearing them, I had cut myself off. So essentially when Barone came down to the Hugon, it was the ancestors trying to find a way for me to come back to them in a way that I could hear. And essentially because the Hugon was also finishing his PhD in sociology, so we also had a structural analysis to the work he was doing. That's how I could hear. The dead are smart, y'all. We have to remember this. They, they are smart. They will figure out ways to communicate that makes sense for you. And so this is why it's really important to have a kind of uh, understanding of self that you are um, connected to so that you can then trust these messages when they run counter to the kind of dominant, um, ideas we are told. Cause again, you are told never to really, um, trust somebody that reaches out to you saying that so and so came down and said I need to give you a reading, but Exception to the rule. In this case, for me, it literally was the only way that my dead, my ancestors, my elevated line, my elevated black line, who was for my best and highest good, could get through to me. Okay? That's the lesson for that. So. Take a few months, do the reading, right? Um, sitting with it. And then this turn of this turn of the year happens. So it's 2019. And I think it's around February time. Another friend actually was in town. She was um former friend, I should say, and I say that. Former, former very strongly, she was in town because she had, was living out in Connecticut, working at a university there. And so again, it wasn't that long of a drive. And we wanted to go to a metaphysical shop and she wanted, she was looking for, I forget it was crystals or incense or something. And I had found um, there was a metaphysical shop slash botanica um, closer to my house that I hadn't been to yet. So I decided, to let's go ahead and check that out. So we walk in and I'm not going to lie, I didn't like the space. It's, it felt really dusty and really heavy. Um, and it felt like there was like kind of a um, haze in there. Um, and so I was just kind of hanging out in the corner while she was looking. Well, then she had to go to the restroom. And so the person who was manning the shop um, let her use the back bathroom. So while she was back there, me and him started talking and long story short, he ends up also being a reader. I really did like his energy. Um, and he was like, listen, if you want a reading, and I told him a little bit about this idea of IFA. I said, you know, I got a reading and I li- am really don't know what to do. Um, I know that I'm supposed to kind of be learning more about IFA, but I don't know where to go or, or who to even trust. And I know that there are a lot of practitioners in the area, but I just really don't know where to start. And he was like, well, listen, actually." Um let me give you, he's like, if you want, I do readings. I do readings um, for a lot of the camp, a lot of folks around campus. I'll be on, around campus um, in two weeks. If you want a reading, I can give you one. And then also I just got in touch with, I just found out that there is a new kind of Babalao in town who comes from Cuba. I've heard he's the real deal. Um, and he's setting up his kind of practice here. So I can also see what's going on with him. And I said, okay, cool. Let me first do the reading with you. Let me see if, you know, um, we vibe or not. And then I'll go from there. So in that reading, the ancestors came down even harder. (laughs) And in a good way, they were like, And we need you to really find somebody to get a reading in IFA because we really need you to understand that this is the kind of direction that will help you figure out who you are. Now, at that time, I really wasn't getting what they were talking about fully, y'all, right? You don't know what you know until you know. And sometimes you don't know until you've been through it. Then you look back and you're like, oh, that's what they were trying to say. They were trying to crack me open, but I was shut off. And I didn't realize how shut off I was because I was hiding from myself because I was in a space and a job in a place that I knew good and damn well was not for me, but I was consistently trying to make it work. This is the problem of the fixed sign, y'all. This is why I say if you got heavy fixed sign energy in your birth chart, so that's gonna be a Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, um, or uh Taurus, right? If you have a lot of placements in there, if you're rising is one of them, right? There's a fixedness energy to you, but we live in a society that is um one against capitalistic, but also doesn't work <laughs> very well. So you gotta be careful about what you're fixing because are you trying to fix and stabilize and maintain some shit that's broken that you really need to let go of, right? And as, again, it's as a Scorpio rising, Taurus uh, moon and Leo, uh, Leo sun, I got re- I can get real fixed if I'm not careful. So this was them trying to break me open, but I didn't understand, right? And the thing is that's good. If I would have understood what they were trying to do, I probably wouldn't have done the shit, y'all. Because <laughs> it would have felt it would have felt way too scary. It would have felt way too scary. But now looking back, it's the best thing that ever could happen to me. Okay. So anyway, back to um the read. So I ended up getting a reading from him um, and that's another, and then again, it was very strong, very strong in that reading um, to find a Babalao, get a reading, get an Ifa reading open up the oracle okay so then he's like well listen i know i know baba i'm gonna go to him as well he's like i'm looking for someone too he's like so i he's like i know you don't know me yet but i'm looking for someone as well it's also my path and so i don't think it's a coincidence necessarily i'm gonna go to this baba and i can see if he can give you a reading as well so long story short that introduction to the Babalawo, he became my godfather and the reader became my godbrother. Me and him um, ended up getting our um, warriors and Handa bifa together. So he literally is my godbrother um, in that. So in all of this, right, in my practice and in coming into Ifa, there was a way that my dad could finally talk to me. There was an oracle there that could hold their message and having an, or somebody who could read the message in a way that I could begin to hear. And so in that practice and in my practice of coming back and understanding who I was working with and then getting finer in my body, right? Because once I received my warriors, y'all, the minute I received my warriors, um, there was a crack in a lot of my relationships, some of my closest relationships that I thought um, were going to essentially stand the test of time. These were friendships. Um, they really began to reveal themselves the day I got my warriors, like literally the day I got my warriors and, and It was in the car, didn't know what to do. It felt like I had babies <laughs> that I had to take care of. <laughs> Like oh there's a lot that goes on with it. And I called a friend and I could feel not in her disgust, but I could feel her um, trepidation, but also her anger. It was a very interesting call because it was like, I could hear her anger and irritation that I did something that she wasn't necessarily going to be able to do. And that it meant that we were different. And I didn't know how I knew this, but I knew it. Um, And I ignored it. And that really did cost me later on. But it also helped me realize that when I have those knowings, I need to trust them because there's a way that I can be pretty, I was used to, a lot better better now, but I used to be pretty naive um, with people because I would believe what they said versus what they did thinking that they were trying to be better, seeing themselves. I was seeing them basically in a higher light than they were able to honestly hold for themselves. And that's very dangerous. You got to believe people where they are, not where you kind of want them or think they're supposed to be, because then you're not allowing them to truly be in their humanity, in their present. Neither are you. You're both playing um, to different images that aren't real. And so when those illusions start to crack and the reality hits, it can be pretty harsh. And that friendship ended very um, not great at the end um, with a lot of betrayal, but it was something that also I had been shown and chose to ignore. So I got to take responsibility as well without placing blame, quite frankly, on me or her. Neither one of us wanted to face the reality that the friendship had changed, we were holding on to a ghost and that ghost became a nightmare, right? Um, and that usually, if you think about your own relationship, y'all, in which you did know it was shifting and changing, right? And it doesn't have to always have to be dramatic. It just, there was a shift and change, but you or them or both of you were holding on to the past, right? the present will always catch up because we are always in the present. And so when those past and presents collide, um, reality hits and reality can be harsh, but when we allow reality to teach us, it can shift us and move us in the directions that are really for us and for the other person. Because really we're all on these kind of journeys of life to experience and how we experience and who we experience with, will shift through change in time, but because we live in capitalism that doesn't like change, that actually is allergic to change because it will require the system itself to change because it doesn't work for all of us, right? We are then meant to fear real change while also being fed a change that is really nothing more than a static reproduction of the same norm over and over again. And again, when that norm of illusion of change collides with real change, right, which is what we have in the present day, what we're getting is a crack in reality, a crack in society, because there's always an illusion, always a lie. And eventually truth will come forward, whether you like it or not. And I learned that lesson in my relationships, right, when I became into the practice of IFA um, and through Ocha de la Regla, um, in which that those those harsh truths, because I asked, I asked for Protection. I asked for revelation, and I asked for that oracle to be open. When I got my hand to be 5 therefore getting my odoo. Once you ask, y'all, once that shit's open, it ain't gonna get closed. (laughs) The new journey begins. The new path opens up. So there's a way that um, for me to come back to my ancestors, I literally had to be cracked open, and so that cracking open happened through the practice of ocha, but it was through. Again, the permission of my ancestors, because there is a order to these things, y'all. You can't just jump to the primordials. You must go through the human experience first, which is self, and then your ancestors who then give the permission to tell you that, yes, that is a line for you or not, right? So what I learned in this process and in me coming into the practice of Ocha is that I learned that ordering because it was the, through the ancestors' will and beckoning and working with primordials that were attached to my line in one way, shape, or form throughout time that then were able to come so I could hear, okay? So I'm in the practice and I get my warriors and it's 2019 and then I have my hand of Ifa. Y'all, I got the hand of IFA and my whole goddamn world broke. It, my whole world broke. 20, end of 2019 was probably the most devastating time of my life, um, but also where I had to finally face my reality. And the ancestors were there. They were. I could feel them. I could feel the Orisha, too, because I could also feel my heart breaking. I could feel my body breaking. I would have nights in which I would be shaking after being protested for hours on end um and trying to make sense of what the hell was going on. And I'll talk about what happened at Brown in another episode um cuz I need space for that. Um it's uh, I've never been able to truly explain um what that experience did and how it was a big turning point in my own kind of life and also understanding of what I wanted to do as a quote unquote career. Um, That'll be another episode, like I said, but for the purposes of this, it was during that kind of intense turmoil when I, everybody, no one had my back. It was, it was, it was a big revelation to me of what it meant to give up everything to other people, but then not having anything left for myself. When you don't give yourself anything, who else is gonna give it to you? Because there was no template, no one knew how to people who thought they were helping me, the help was, well, you're strong, you can figure it out, or you're strong, it'll work itself out, or, you know, um, just give it time, it'll blow over, people get protested, right? But the reality was, it was never going to stop until I stopped it. And I can only stop it until I faced reality that I had put myself in a place and situation in which I couldn't see myself, but others could see me. And so the ancestors really did have to intervene and say, baby, if you don't see yourself, you will literally literally lose yourself. And so it was through this practice, right, that the ancestors got louder. And then I started to move, literally move. The pandemic happened and we're still in the pandemic, y'all, we're still in the pandemic, right? but the lockdowns happened. And then that led me to having space um, to be with myself. I moved to Michigan and then um, the whole kind of divorce happened when I came out to myself. But that kind of two-year process Two to three year process really was a process of me learning how to work with and hear my ancestors and my dead by learning how to work and hear my own voice again. And that's what helped me realize, like I said in the last episode, that not all my ancestors were for me and that who was kind of loud off the bat in my decision-making processes were those who themselves were walking dead and had not done their work. But when you are on the other side, those voices, when you are working with spiritualists who are not as well-trained, or have a deeper understanding of the connections to the afterlife, right? They were allowing that kind of loud voice of those first pressing dead to speak. So when, so essentially I needed the oracle, I needed Ifa, like I needed Ifa in order to have a deeper oracle, in order to have a deeper understanding of the relationship we have with the other side, to be able to hear those ancestors, those primordials who were really for me. And that was my, again, like I said in the last episode, my Black bloodline, but a specific part of my Black bloodline whose lineage does come to from Ifa, but also comes from Hoodoo. And so this is how I came into Hoodoo actually, once again, was through my practice of Ifa, not Ifa itself, but opening up through ocha to be able to hear my dead, which opened me up, which then awakened my body, got me into my body, which then opened up a whole level of primordial knowledge I had no idea was there. And so the Hoodoo came back up and I realized I had been taught Hoodoo my whole damn life. (laughs) Just didn't know it in my dreamscape. Those nightmares I had as a kid were also um, dreams that were helping me understand different aspects of the afterlife, different aspects of energy and different aspects of kind of visions. And then I realized that a lot of the things like my mom would do from herbs, from the different types of sayings and herbs, and also my grandfather, who was a farmer and who, um, who grew um, his own collard, collard greens, grew on green beans, grew all kinds of stuff in that backyard, right? There was a way that the connection to the land was always there. And I was actually taught it in different ways. I just didn't understand it as being being taught kind of more ancestral understandings of connection to land, right? So all of that started to make more sense when I came into an embodiment practice. But again, I couldn't even get into my body until I got cracked i had got released from the idea of who i thought i was that i was clinging so hard on to even though i didn't want it anymore right when i realized and at that point i realized around 2018 i started to verbally say i don't know if i can do this anymore but i had nobody to hear me i didn't realize who was actually hearing me was my dead so when i gave that permission they went to work y'all and that working though. Was this kind of roundabout way that has me in the present day sitting talking to y'all <laughs> about the ancestors, abolition, and astrology? Because that's when the astrology also started to come out at me. Out of me again, I've been re uh, learning about astrology and had different people teach me in different ways since my mid twenties. But because I hadn't gone through that kind of Rigorous formal training that I was used to through academia, that kind of disciplining, right? I always put it to the side and didn't believe myself, didn't believe my analysis, didn't think I knew enough. But again, as I've come back into an embodiment practice, that knowledge has awakened and kind of come together in these interesting ways to help me see that I've been trained most of my life to do what I'm doing now. I just had to finally see myself. And again, that my dad helped me do that. And so now, there's a way that, um, in my practice of ocha, um, I do keep them separate, but not fully, quite frankly, because to me, when you look at a lot of the practices of ocha, depending upon the ile you're in, and then you also have a basic understanding of hoodoo, there's a lot of similarities, y'all. And so, um, I, have been doing a lot more reliance upon um kind of getting down to basics and understanding spiritual principles, understanding how like different kind of the law of correspondence, sympathetic magic, all how those basic understandings of metaphysics actually operate, so the kind of scholarly lens that I take a lot of stuff through, but then putting it into practice. So asking myself if I learned this here and that there, and I'm in a kind of time in which I know I need a little bit more either protection or I'm looking for more clarity, I have a plethora of knowledge to draw upon, right? Because it was also the ancestors giving permission to come into the practice of OCHA while also giving me permission to come into the practice of myself. And so um, I just wanted to tell that story as the, for this episode to kind of put into context that it's not straightforward, y'all. Dang straightforward. There's kind of ideas. There's kind of rules, right? Again, like I said, you really wouldn't want to just go to a reader who could just cold call calls you out the blue, saying that somebody came down to tell them something. But then if there's a context to it, so like me, I had a reader before. Like I said, I had paid him once. It had been a long time, and he came back and said, "Here." actually, there's a connection here, and I got a message, and I'm offering it um, free of charge, right? There was a way that I had to give myself permission to make the exception. Because if I would have just said no, then, right, there was a way that I know that this journey I've been on would have heavily um, either been delayed, or maybe I would have cut it off, which then means I would have cut myself off from myself, which I'll be quite frank, I'm not sure if I would be here today if I would have done that. So um, that might be a dramatic, but I'm a Scorpio rising, so I'll do that. <laughs> But i but, for me, I guess this is this is an open kind of thank you, thank you to my dead, thank you to my elevated ancestors, thank you to great grandma Lily, thank you to the primordials who. When I couldn't see myself, they could see me and they were damn sure going to make sure that I finally came into myself. And so uh, without them, I would not be here. And so I want us to remember y'all that when our dead talk, when those who are for us really speak, they will move shit for us. But we also have to be part of that work and allow us to be moved too. So you got to invite change in with you and know that that change will bring a chaos because the only thing in life that is constant is change and chaos. But when we can work with that energy, versus repelling it, especially as Black folks whose ancestors were stolen from our own ancestral lands and robbed of our rest. When you take all of that back and you can embrace that, then you can actually embrace the energy of change and chaos, because that energy is helping us try to change the foundations of society that we're in that don't work for any of us, okay? All right, I'm going to stop there before I go into a whole sermon, Uh, but let me know what comes up for y'all. Let me know how this resonated. Um, If you have your own stories of your own kind of coming back into a practice that kind of didn't necessarily go, quote unquote, straightforward, but now, and as you reflected upon it, you can understand the journey you took to get where you are in the present day. Let me know in the comments, y'all, okay, so we can continue this conversation. And again, October 15th, I'm doing the virtual salon conversation. For Black, queer, women, and non-binary folks, we're going to talk more in-depthly and intimately about astrology, the ancestors, and abolition. Because again, as this time period with the veil being thin, they are really loud. But can we hear them? And do we understand what they're saying? And can we trust and believe in them? All right? Till next time, keep dreaming. Let those dreamscapes um, come alive because it is through the dreams that we will learn how to really live in the present day. All right? Till next time.